going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generous podcast this week for the U.S. Open. As usual, I'm here with everybody's favorite Canadian. Big day for the Canadians as we're recording this on Sunday. Tyler Tambly. Tyler, how are you feeling about Nick Taylor's win this week? I'm pumped, Kenny. It was incredible stuff. This is, uh, I got research in, but it might be the least ever because I had to stay glued to that. I was trying to do work at the same time knowing we were getting ready for this. Super exciting, in- incredible putt. I mean, just absolutely insane stuff. Just trying to get it close. Ends up dropping. It gets the job done. Crazy atmosphere at the Canadian Open. Pumped for the U.S. Open. Busy week ahead. But before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by prizepix.com. Head on over to prizepix.com. Use promo code MMN. Get yourself 100% deposit bonus up to your first $100. Yeah, I don't know what else to say, Kenny. It was crazy. I know it was like a pillow fight and everyone was saying back and forth and crazy conflicting stuff because I know so many people bet Tommy and try to get his first win. Canadian Open, uh, Canadian trying to get a win. I think it was what, first time in 69 years or something like that. So nice, by the way. But just going back to see it, like that was, you know, one of the craziest endings, that par five. A lot of people talk to it. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. It, it is what it is. I know everyone plays the same hole, but the problem is that Tommy played it horrible in regulation, still made par. Like it was always just going to be that. They went to the par three. You thought, here's a chance. Tommy couldn't get those putts to go down on the second or third playoff hole where he had his chances. And then Nick got a big one to go down. So that was awesome. What, what else? What did you think of the event? I'm, I'm on cloud nine right now. This is incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, Tommy losing cost me. Uh, Tommy won. I, I got lucky this week. I hit the Cole each way uh bet so that actually gave me a positive week in the betting aspect and so going into uh this final round i was like you know near the top of the top of the leaderboards uh in all double ups with only four of six you know i had hubbard um lowry rose and um uh, fleetwood and so three of those guys were tied for first place going into the final round so i knew that was going to go back and so what ended up happening was I was right on uh, the cash line, basically, what it comes down to with Tommy, he's the only one still left. So if he birdied and won uh, 18, I would have I would have uh, hit my all my cash. If he uh, won the playoff, I would have hit my cash. Uh, but of course, he didn't. So I lost a few hundred dollars, but it was still pretty exciting. I didn't deserve to win this week. It was a pretty shitty week for me overall. Uh, it would have been extremely lucky. Uh, but I don't know what he was doing down the stretch, like in the playoff. It's like he was playing not to lose, even though he was in a playoff. Yeah, You know, he, he was hoping that the other guy was going to make a mistake. And in that situation, when you're trying to go for your first victory, I feel like you sort of got to go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you go for it and you fuck up and you miss it, and, you know, you 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 did your thing. You know, you, you didn't you didn't um, go the pussy way out and lay up with an iron on a par five and I don't know, man. I just the way he went about the whole playoff, I it just it seemed like he didn't he was trying not to lose. He was trying to make the other guy make the mistake. And it cost him at the end because of that bomb uh that Nick Taylor ended up making. Um any other thoughts about the event? I mean, I didn't really catch too much of it other than this final round. Did you see Adam Hadwin get tackled at the end? I did, I heard about it, I didn't see it. Okay, incredible video. At the end of the event, Adam Hadwin's running on with the champagne to celebrate for his boy. And as he's shooting it out and getting ready to go, the dude just tackles him completely off his feet and he lands. It was a huge hit. People are like, sign this guy, get him into the NFL. People are tagging Dana White. Like, just incredible stuff. You just never see it. And yeah, I mean, just Adam Hadwin's like 5'7, 150 pounds. 
Yeah, well, so. Mike, Michael, Kim was on, <laughs> Michael Kim was on Twitter today saying he's hoping somebody WDs. He's the first alternate to get in. Well, maybe we got the Adam Hadwin WD tomorrow morning with injury. We'll have to wait and see. But overall, solid event. I mean, I always love it. Like I said, the Canadian Open, being Canadian, it helps. It made it. I thought it was fun. Uh, having our guy Jeff Feinberg on site all week, getting some insight and some extra stuff. I mean, that was great. But we got more to talk about because that's got to go aside for a second, Kenny. I mean, you might not have been ready for it. We should talk for two minutes just about all the stuff going on. I'm re- very curious to hear your thoughts. We haven't chatted about it offline yet. But with the the craziest news of maybe all time last week, you think it's fake. You're like, ah, CNBC, is this real? Then everyone starts po- posting it out there that, you know, what they're calling a merger. I know some are saying it's not that now. And there's all kinds of different conversations around this with the PIF and Liv and PGA Tour and, and Monaghan and everything that's going on. But what, what were your thoughts on that? I, I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this. I mean, at this point in time, I, I I don't really know what to say just because you have no idea what is true and what is not. Um, I, I have no idea if Liv is going to disband. I have no idea who's controlling the <laughs> tours. Is it Jay? Is it Yasser? I mean, there's just so much uncertainty that like I don't even feel like getting into trying to figure out what's going to happen. I just want to wait and see and, and get the news as it comes and then form my opinion then. Because at this point in time, you really have no idea. Uh, I mean, first off, I think if 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 people who think that Liv is going to go away, they could be right if, if Jay really runs everything. But that doesn't make any sense to me uh for live to be able to agree or for the piff to agree it unless they really didn't care about live at all and it was all a ploy just to get ownership or some type of stake into the pj which definitely could be true mm-hmm. you know uh but i mean like i i don't know what to believe i don't know how to go about it because I, you don't know all the details. I mean, the way this thing was planned and the way it was set up with nothing set in stone seems really weird to me. Uh, and then, of course, you have to go in the back end and think about, is this going to pass any antitrust laws? Yeah. Is this actually going to go through? There's just so many questions. And what if it doesn't go through? What the fuck happens then? I mean, there's just so many questions that like, I don't even feel like, digging into it because it'll take three shows to talk about everything that could possibly fucking happen uh, with this. So I, my take on this is see how it plays out, see how everything pans out and then make your decisions then. What uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. I want to get initial thoughts. I I'm pretty much in lockstep with you on and aligned with everything you just said. Like it's a wait and see approach. There's a lot of things that came out since after where, you know, they were saying this may not even be able to go through and it could have just been like a posturing from one side to know that this leads them into having to say things like if if they did this so that Jay would have to go have this player meeting and talk about it and be said. And then if it doesn't work out, it still angles better for them because now the PGA Tour basically it sounds like they came out and said at least something along the lines of not being able to fight the legal battle. And guys like Maverick McNeely were in the player meeting asking questions like, well, then why can't we get the money from American companies and not the other side, politics, et cetera, et cetera, all being involved. So I'm totally with you on the wait and see approach. I just wasn't sure. It was definitely the craziest news we've had in the longest time in golf, but probably since Liv actually came out, I guess, and, and became a real thing. So it just it's, it's tied to it in that way, but just a, a wild day for news and speculation, all that, like you said, wait and see approach. Probably the best. Not not much else on it that I would have to say either, Kenny. So we could probably move on. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, to me, I mean, like, 
are they really going to give Jay control? I, I don't know. If the PIF has all the money, usually the money people have the control. I don't know. We'll have to see about it. I don't know what to make of it. I, I you know, it's 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 a tough situation for all the players that have that stayed. I think you know there's going to be they're going to have to be some type of you know payment for them. I don't know. It, it's such a weird weird situation. Now in the end, could it be good for golf? Maybe. Um, you know, if the guys are going to be, if, if the PIF is going to be putting in massive amounts of money, uh, you know, it's always a good thing. Uh, so we'll have to see and wait and see how it goes. Um, and I am not sure how this is going to affect us, uh, affect golf, affect the fans. Uh, I think the one great comment that I heard was, well, maybe they can, you know, pay off some of these TV stations networks to show less commercials. Yeah. Uh, and have better better footage, uh, better coverage on TV. If it does that, it's a win right there, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? But we'll just have to see. All right. So let's move on uh, for this week. We have the uh, Listener League winner. It looks like it's a, a Shipping Nation guy, huh? There you go. Oh. Shipping Nation. I, the, the, the Julio Nation. Yeah. Started off with a Terrell Hatton at 30% owned. Of course, he had a really good run on Sunday, finished in third. Tommy Fleetwood, 16% owned. The heartbreaking runner-up once again, Eric Cole, who shot 63. Uh, today saved my butt a little bit when it came down to the week, hitting that each way. Uh, he was 20% owned. He finished in sixth place. Uh, Aaron Rye finished in third. He was not 8% owned. Hubbard. Uh, finished in six, 22% owned, and Carson Young, 43rd, 23% owned, uh, finished at four under Tampa. What'd you think? I, I can't think anything bad about it. It's incredible stuff. He's got the Ship It avatar, and then he's got Nation in his name, and he's in our Discord. So awesome to see the Julio Nation. By the way, Kenny, he called our asses out right away. He posts the damn screenshot and says, tell Kenny I'm coming for you guys this week in the three, man. He's like, I love you guys. Listen to you forever. He's like, I'm super pumped to win this money and see you guys this week. So, yeah, the Julio Nation, congrats. Definitely will be in the three-man. Already got him into the TOC, so he's going to join that. But the lineup's great, and it's a marketing plug so nice. I'm going to do it twice this week, Kenny. Got to tell people about it because is tomorrow is the last chance to get in to Ship It Nation with the founding family. We're doing over 10K in giveaways and free rolls within the first year, within the first 12 months. First one at six months, second one at 12, and then a bunch of giveaways along the way. The price ends tomorrow, the $59 a month or the $599 annual, which gets you everything included on the site that we offer. But it also, if you do the $599, works out to $49, which was our original monthly offer. So you can just bundle it that way. But this was Hoop's core plays. His core plays were Hatton, Hubbard and Carson Young. He used those. He put it together with some of the other guys that we talk about. I have an Aaron Rye problem. It worked out this week. I actually had a pretty good week this week. I was top 10 in the big 254 max. I just missed a mega ticket that I needed Nick Taylor to lose for first to drop back, but good week overall and good to see that for the nation. So if you guys want to join, shipitnation.com, check it out. Pricing ends tomorrow. Congrats again to the Julio Nation. And Kenny, I'll just say, I'll let the people know we did not fill the listener league last week. We came up about a hundred short. Obviously we're trying to get the bigger one for this week, but good news. We got it anyway. So we're going to have it. It's going to come out tomorrow. You'll see me post it out on Twitter. 2000 entries is three. It's a $5. Sorry. Yeah. $5 three max. Same as always 2000 entry total 1500 to first $150 to 10th, $10 for the min cash, super reduced rake, all those factors that you guys always see with our listener league. So fill that one up. 
because I can promise you, if we don't fill this one, it's going to be a lot less for the open. Remember, there's still there's, there's two majors left this week we're talking about and one more coming up. So keep that in mind. But please go out, support, retweet it, quote, tweet it, get it out, tag your friends, whatever. When we post it out, let's get this one filled. Okay, but why don't you talk about uh, getting some more comments for this week before we head on to the U.S. Open? Yeah, what we're going to do this week, because I'm going to get, that's another thing, the contest, good call. So we'll get the housekeeping out of the way now. Uh, I'm going to give away $100 to one person who comments on this YouTube video. You just have to go in and give us your fade over 9K. So Cam Smith up to Scotty Scheffler, who are you fading, right? And if you want to put extra in there, a little comment or something you think might swing in your favor as far as the odds go, by all means, throw that in there. I can be bribed, but $100 in a giveaway. Uh, the way it works with DraftKings, you got to do cash and just send it across and you guys can enter it. But the goal would be that you enter it into four $25 Millie Makers. They didn't have the $100 this week. And then we'll get it out there. I'm going to do more giveaways too with the tidbits thread this week. It's a major, it's a mega. I'll talk about that more probably on Mayo's show on Wednesday, but definitely retweet it, quote, tweet it, comment, like, whatever you want to do. I'm going to give away some more money with that. We'll talk more on other shows this week, but it's going to be a good week, Kenny, overall. All right, it sounds good. Yeah, and if you could go ahead and comment on YouTube, leave a review uh, on Apple and Spotify. This is the, These are the weeks to do it. We, we don't really ask for much, uh, but during these major weeks is how we grow and expand our fan base. And uh, you, putting those comments out there on YouTube, hitting the algorithm right, really helps us. So let's go ahead and get that done, DJ Nation. All right, and so usually before, uh, for most of these uh, majors, I have a, 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 a story time with Kenny. So, so I have one this week. I think I've told it maybe once before. It's definitely not safe for work. Uh, so if you've got kids in the car, something else, you might want to go ahead and just fast forward, go look at the time codes uh, on here and give it a little bit of fast forward. But uh, this is a story about how I got a nickname uh, at, at my favorite strip club uh, down in Dallas. Okay, so I was uh, I was in Dallas. Uh, this was about right after COVID, about, about six months after the shutdown started. Uh, in the spring of 2020, um, I was in Dallas for a job. Uh, we're there, and so you know we're, the job's going well. Uh, so you know we go down to the strip club. It's it's called Chicas Locas uh, down there in Dallas. Um, and you know it, it's a uh, it, it's not the best strip club, but you know you don't need to go to the best strip club to have a good time if you know how to work a strip club. Uh, and so we're going there. I, I go there. And we, I, I, you know, we talk to this chick and we go up to the VIP room. Okay. Go up to the VIP. Now, I guess the place had been busted for prostitution in the past uh, because they, 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 they didn't have rooms anymore uh, in the VIP section up on the, on the second floor. What they had were these like six and a half foot chairs that basically lined the entire room. And so, what the what what the what the nice lady would do was she would get like six chairs and stack them around in a circle, okay, uh, around you, and then put you in the middle in the middle chair, and she'd be right in front of you to do her little champagne room thing. Uh, and granted, I, I, a little little caveat: this again was, of course, during COVID, hadn't gotten laid in about eight months, so it'd been a little, it'd been a while, it'd been a while, okay. <laughs> so. So I'm surrounded in this, you know, chair circle, like in this room, okay? Uh, and, and, you know, she starts, you know, doing her thing. Uh, you know, I, 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 she starts doing her thing, and I, I try to tell her to slow down a little bit. Try to tell her she's not listening to me at all. Does not listen to me at all. It just keeps going full bore. Um, 
And I literally finished in like 47 seconds. Okay. Literally, it was like 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 record fucking time. It was it was unbelievable. Right. And so right when we're done, she looks at me and she's like, and she and of course she was Hispanic. This place is called you know Chicas Locas. She looks at me and she she points at me and she says, You muy rapido, muy rapido. So so what ends up happening is I go downstairs. Uh, and, and we go back to this place, you know, quite often. It's my favorite place down in Dallas. Um, and every time I go in, there's like a line of girls that all come to me because they know me as Moy Rapido. They know that I will be able to give them, you know, $200, $300 worth of work in about 90 seconds. So uh, a little funny story thinking about COVID. So Moy Rapido, I'm hoping this week, Moy Rapido goes on and wins a fucking GPP. All right, so let's move on to the LA. Any 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 comments about the Moy Rapido story there, uh, Carlo? Uh, Moy Fastido, how you made it from forty-five seconds to ninety? You tried to extend yourself by double there at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I Either was saying way, for the yeah. next time. For the next time, yes. Or, you know so, what yeah. they say, Kenny? Let less is more. In some cases, yeah. I talk about yeah. this all the time. I, 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 and I'm very very popular there. Let's just say that. I I, I'm very, very popular uh, at that place. Let's get to the course. Let's get to this week for the LA Country Club. The golf world shifts its focus to California as the U.S. Open comes to the Los Angeles Country Club. Uh, this George Thomas design course has never hosted a major championship and has very few professional events under its belt, even though it's like 130 years old. Uh, that doesn't take away from the beauty and the uniqueness of the course. Now, Thomas is famous for designing Riviera and Bel Air. Two other clubs in the LA area, but the location is probably the only thing similar when you compare LACC to its two other sister courses. Uh, the last time we saw this course under the spotlight was at the 2017 Walker Cup. Uh, Scheffler and Morikawa both played uh, in that event, but I don't think they have an advantage over the field because of this. I would also taper the California Connection narrative as the agronomy of this course is quite unique for the area. Um, now, as the week goes on, I'm sure we'll hear about certain California guys who play this course a lot, and that would be something that I would look at when making lineups. Extensive course knowledge will definitely be an advantage. As for most golfers, this will be the first time seeing this course ever. Uh, when it comes to course comps, that's a pretty tough one. This course is so unique, it's hard to pinpoint just one course that's similar. Uh, the comp courses I've heard mentioned this week, uh, Augusta, Marion, Shinnecock, Southern Hills, and TPC Scottsdale. Uh, since there is zero course history to speak of, uh, I would look more at U.S. Open history and recent form. Now, LACC is a 7,450-yard par 70 with three par fives and five par threes. Uh, the two par fives on the front should be reachable by most, and the 630-yard par five on the back nine will be reachable by many as long as they land their tee shot in the fairway and with the correct angle. Uh, three of the par threes range from 230 to 290 yards, while the other two are on the short side uh, at 171 and 140 yards. Uh, the 140-yard 15th hole can actually play as short as 75 yards uh, downhill. It's pretty funny. That green is almost shaped like a cock and balls. Uh, and so, like, if, 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 if the flag is in, like, the cock part, very, very thin, very similar to me, very, very thin cock part, uh, and so you're going to have, you know, not that much green to work with on that if they pull that flag all the way to the front. Pretty fun hill, pretty, pretty fun course or, or hole. 
Uh, the par fours vary drastically in length. Uh, five range from 480 to 520 yards. Two are right around 420 yards. Another two are around 380 yards. And the par four six hole is only 330 yards long. It's funny because I think the fifth hole is a 290-yard par three. And it's possible that that hole could play longer than the par four six at some points, depending on where they put the uh, where they put the tee box. Now, off the tee, golfers are going to see wide Bermuda grass fairways with fairway bunkers in the landing zones. Some of these fairways are up 70 yards wide, so we're talking huge landing spaces. Now, this might sound like it favors bomb and gouge, but I don't think it's that simple. Uh, these fairways have tremendous slope and undulation. Uh, they should also be lightning fast and firm. The problem with bomb and gouge is the fact that you're going to need to hit certain areas of the fairway to have the correct angle onto these greens. And now what makes this so difficult is the severe slope of the fairways. On many holes, you're going to need to be on like the left side of the fairway, where if you're on YouTube, you can see me pointing. You're going to be, you want to be on this side of the fairway with the slope going this way, because the green is, you have a nice little angle to the green. Really the only way to get it to stay up on this ledge is you're going to have to shot shape it. With like a little, if, if 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 the slope is going left to right, you're gonna have to hit a right to left shot, so it sort of rolls up the hill and sort of stays in this upper area. If you have, if you sh if you shape it the wrong direction, it can land, you know, almost where you want it, but just roll down the fairway because they're so fast into the rough, or even worse, into these barrancas. You're gonna be hearing barranca a lot. Uh, this week. Now, what these barrancas are like native areas that are filled with sand uh, that have all these little small little bushes and vegetation and, you know, trees, little small little trees and stuff. And you do not want to be there. Uh, and so that's why I don't think the bomb and gas technique will work. It will be the way to go. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some guys out there we're going to try it that way, and they might succeed. Again, we haven't seen this course in the past before, but just to me, it seems like you need to hit it in certain spots and shape it correctly to have it stay in those certain spots, especially with the severity of, of the slope of these fairways. Now, um, other issues, of course, are going to be the bunkers, uh, the barrancas. We, we were talking about that. So now on approach shots, golfers are going to see, and, and here's the thing. And to me, on the flyovers and all that stuff, the rough around the fairways look light. And I think they're going to do that on purpose. So when, if the ball does fly and scoot on these firm, fast fairways, that they can roll through the light rough into the bunkers. They can go through the light rough into the tree line. They can go through the light rough into these barrancas. That's how I would expect the play. Now, I've only seen flyovers uh, and pictures. I have not seen how they're going to lay out the course for the week. I don't think anyone's seen it yet since we're recording this on a Sunday. So, you know, those barrancas and stuff, I would expect them to be less in play if they decide to put the rough up around the fairways. But I do not see a point in the USGA doing that because these fairways are so wide. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, of course, this is just speculation that I'm going with. But I, I, I expect the fairways around the rough around the fairways to be light. Now, um, on approach shots, golfers are going to see an array of different bent grass green sizes with large bunkers and super thick rough surrounding the greens. Now, most greens have shaved runoff areas in the front, so golfers can run up shots if needed. You'll also see shaved runoff areas 
behind many greens. Now, most green side bunkers are to the right and left of these greens. You'll want to be in the bunker uh, if you miss right or left, because, um, you know, if not, you're going to be stuck in this super tall, thick rough. Like the worst place to be will be directly around the bunkers. Like that area is like this high fescue, crazy type of grass. And then even on the left side and right side of these greens, you'll see thicker rough as well. The thicker Bermuda rough. We've seen some pictures of that already from, uh, from a couple of green side um, uh, snapshots of people dropping the ball uh, into the rough. And it's no fun uh, around there. Now, um, uh, now you've got to expect these, you know, slopey, undulating greens to be very firm and fast with a stimp of 13 or more. Uh, I expect the front nine to play much easier than the back. The five-hole stretch from 13 to 17, it's going to be a brute. If you have golfers at or near the cut line on Friday, you better hope their back nine is the first nine holes. Because more than likely, if they're at or near the cut line and they have to play the true back nine for their final nine, they're not making a cut. Uh, I expect that back nine to be super tough. But one thing I do like, 18, very scorable, it looks like. So, you know, coming down the stretch, it's not like impossible for someone to do birdie bogey uh, and give up a two-shot lead or something like that when it come, comes to 18. Um, you know, personally, I think winning score, we've seen, we don't see like the USG of old where it's like plus one, plus five, plus four winning these events. I think you'll see somewhere between minus five and minus 10 win this event. Tambo, what do you think? And what do you look for in golfers this week? Yeah, just great breakdown. I think there's already, you know, <clears throat> you could take away from that. But just in general, you just mentioned the scoring at the end. Like, I definitely think single digits, probably. So if you're five to nine in range, you said 10, but just in there is where I see it as well. So uh, it's hard to tell. The one thing I will say, it definitely feels like a course because anytime we have nothing on a course, we just did this in Canada last week. It's going to be the same thing, I think, this week where we hear conversations now, how we're taking it. And then by Wednesday, People are like, oh, I've set, I found this out now. I saw this. These players said, and that's what you should do. I'm just saying it feels like a lot's going to change. This is obviously a Sunday night first look. I'm focusing more on DraftKings, the pricing, the breakdown, what the lineup construction looks like. Rory at 9,900. Some guys like Cam Young at 8,000. Different spots we're going to talk about when we get to these tiers. But I will say this, Kenny, the one thing that stayed the same, just breaking down the pricing, just going from a strategy standpoint early, the 6Ks, has some guys down there, but man, it's like you said, it's, are, are these the guys that are going to be grinding through on a Friday afternoon on a tough back nine and then get there over the weekend and get you anything that even results in placement points and that? I think you're going to have to be very careful and, and very, uh, you know, tr it's going to be tricky. So you have to take that one very lightly. And then the other thing was, I think seven, there was 15 guys this week at 7,000 to 7,100. So I don't remember exactly last week or weeks prior, but man, this definitely feels like the most I've ever seen just at that price point alone. Usually there's like three or four guys at one price, three or four guys, the other not unique, but in the sense that this seems like a lot just at that one price tag. So I think you'll see a lot of lineups that land there, even yeah. though we're going to talk heavily about Scotty, Rom and, and Kepka, especially up top and make cases for others. The balance structures can, can win out at these U S opens and in cash, things like that. I'll be interested to hear your takes on that as well. Go ahead. I mean, you're, you're, the thing about it is your point of the low 7,000s. Like, usually when we see the 6K range, the upper 6K range, and the lower 7K range, those prices seem interchangeable with the talent that there's usually in those ranges. I see a pretty steep drop-off in talent once you go under $7,000. 
Like, you know, I mean, there's Justin Suz up there. There's a couple of guys up there uh, in the high sixes. But, like, to me, it seems like the town and, and, and the uh, level thing, like, really drops off a lot just from that 7K to 6'9 type range. So what I think people are going to be seeing that as the week goes on, and they're going to be trying to end their lineups in that 7K range, which basically limits your stars and scrubs. Uh, you know, to 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 a degree, uh, like you know, it's gonna be tough doing like a a Rom and a and a um uh Shefflin lineup without getting like the same popular low six end guys. Like Sam Bennett was probably gonna be extremely popular uh in that mid range, but like it, most people are gonna go down to there and then just plug it in with these other seven K ranges. So um, you know, I I, I don't know. I the way that the pricing is. I think they priced it correctly. You can go both ways and and stars and scrubs or balance. It's just, you have to realize when, if you go stars and scrubs, that 6k range is going to be bleak. And that might actually be the contrarian way to go this week. When you do GPPs is getting like a couple of 10k guys and a high 8k guy, and then having to scrounge and find two 6k guys that will probably be very, very unique because of the talent drop off in my opinion, when it comes down to the DraftKings pricing. Uh, what do you think about that, Tambo? Yeah, I think you said a couple things there. One was, you know, the last point you just made, but before that, even the, the breakdown of like, Scott, okay, we'll talk about it when we get there, but the 8K range is pretty loaded, I think, with guys that people will be comfortable playing because, like I said, you've got Cam Young in there, Jason Day, uh, Dustin Johnson, if people make a case for him, always like Sung Jay, JT, 8,700, Finau, 88, and Hatton, 89. So you can go like Scheffler and drop into there, but it's all I'm saying is I think it's going to be very significant the difference of the people that start their lineups with rory because he's sub 10k you can go rory down to like a ricky fowler at 7500 and then find some in between you feel very comfortable very safe and there's got to still be upside in there like you're you're playing a lot of those guys i just mentioned but if scheffler dusts the field which is going to take us and segue us right into the top anyway if he finds that putter kenny i, I teased this last week and i said remember for there's a bets i'm going to make for sure scotty wire to wire and Scotty first round leader, because it's like, if he just finds that putter and then doesn't look back, you could see something like a blowout. It's possible like a five, six stroke win. We've seen it plenty in the past at us opens PGA championships that play tough. And you just get that type of setup. It can happen, but this is a spot where if he doesn't that all those lineups are back into the mix and in play. And then there's still great conversation to be had for Rom and Cantley and Hovland and Kepka coming off a major win again and all this stuff. So uh, I think it is very different and, and it's, it's pretty polarizing and we'll see how people build their lineups out. It's again, only Sunday night, but I, I think people want to play Scotty. It's just how much do they commit to it when it's just so much easier to build that balance build. Yeah. Let's get up to this top range. Let's go talk about it. We got uh, what Hovland all the way up to Scheffler. How are you going about it this week? Yeah, there's just like we said for Scotty, that's why we opened up the conversation. So there's no way, for me to leave Scotty off, it does, if he, again, if it fails, I tease this as another thing last time, just jokingly, but saying it, now he'll find the butter, but he'll miss these greens, or sorry, sorry, he'll miss these fairways. It'll roll out, he'll get some unlucky bounces or something, and something will go downhill, but you can't play that way. I mean, the guy's been the absolute best in the world with ball striking. The fact of when the putting gets the hardest, like you talked about it, the stint meters, the undulations, the speed, all that stuff, sometimes that can neutralize it anyway because other guys are going to be struggling too. So, I, I mean, it's just you got to play Scotty. Rom on hard courses. I'm it looks like I'm just getting punished by guys like Brooks again. Again, early thoughts, but if he goes back and wins a sixth major, then it sucks. Now, his numbers still look great on paper. So do Cantley's. 
but I also don't want to go away from, from Hovland. So Scotty, Rom, Hovland are like my three favorites here to start the week. Said it about Hovland. Even before that win was coming, people were down on him about playing bad on Sundays when in reality he used to be Sunday Hovland. Then even at the PGA Championship with Brooks down the stretch, it was really until hole 16, it just wasn't getting as talked about as much because of how good Brooks was doing and the fact that Brooks was on the brink of winning another major, which he ultimately ended up doing. So then for Hovland to come back and go get the W and win the designated event, that just, you know, was sort of everything he needed, I think. So could get fooled. The fact he's a hundred bucks more than Rory, but when you look at the stats across the board on plenty of rounds, he's really up there with guys like Scotty and guys like Cantlay and them. So I like Hovland at the 10 K price tag. And if you started there, skipped Rory, or if most people that are starting with Rory are not using Hovland, you could even use both of them. So those three up top, Scotty, then Rom, then Hovland are one, two, three for me. Yeah, I mean, Scotty, I'm playing him. He's going to be my highest on. I'm going to bet him at 750 to one. I don't normally bet the top dog, but uh, he's going to be the only bet I make this week. All my other bets have been futures. Uh, so, I mean, what he's been doing, Tita Green, is historic. Uh, and like you said, um, you know, when it comes to putting, what we're hoping is, you know, even if he stays as poor as he has, you know, maybe everyone else drop back a little bit just because of how hard the putting will be uh, at a U.S. Open. We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, but if he improves just a little bit, like if if he's like, instead of being like the worst putter in the field, he's like the fifth worst putter in the field. Uh, he, that that could be enough for him to win. Uh, that's how good his tee to green is. So he's going to be my highest on. He's going to be, I'm going to have him at least 50%. Um, I'm going with him. Um, and then I, I, Hovland's going to be my first cash game cornerstone. You, you get that savings uh, in the price. And this is another guy that I think that can win this event. Uh, we saw what he did at the Memorial. He got that big boy win uh, out of the way. He's super confident. Uh, he was in the he was in the final couple of groups uh, at the PGA Championship. A major's coming soon for Victor. Uh, I could definitely see it this week. So he is my first cash game cornerstone. Now, when it comes to the other guys, I'm going to be playing one more. Um, I'm leaning Kepka uh, at the moment in time, but I- I'm really interested in how the ownership is going to go uh, here. Is Rom going to get squeezed? Do you think you could see a sub 15% Rom here? Probably not, right? Feels tough to imagine. I could see 15 to 20, so then who cares? We're kind of talking the same thing. But yeah, you're right. The fact that Scotty, if, if you're going up top, you're going Scotty. And the Kepka stuff, it always goes this way. I know people say right now, oh, like, like I said, I'll continue to get burned and this, that, and the other. But what ends up happening is by the end of the week, like people start, they, they can't leave him off. And this was even before it happened. Like the first time he came back from injury or whatever, I think it was a Masters or something where he ended up showing up at almost 20%. And everyone said they weren't playing him. And then by the end of the week, he was 20%. So I just, I could definitely see at 10-8, you can make it work. The other thing too is, um, stat site, projection sites, things like that, Kenny, are definitely going to be pushing Cantley. Just to talk about that real quick, meaning he's got to get some ownership too at 10-3. So, you know, Scotty, Cantley, Rory is probably what that stuff probably pushes the most, where I can see, again, it's only, everyone, it's a major. Everyone plays everyone. It gets a mixed match at the top. But I'm saying Scotty's going to be high. Rory's going to be high. It, it is interesting, like Cantley or Hovland, one of those two could end up being the other guy that ends up high just based on the stats and then the projection sites. So I think that's something to talk about too, where Rom and Kepka could come in sort of similar ownership, 15 to 18 or, or 15 to 20 range. This is a shaky narrative, but uh, you know, in all five of Kepka's majors, he played the week before. I mean, you know, that doesn't really, doesn't really mean too much. 
uh, but it's something, you know, you might want to think about. Uh, I don't know how much uh, it'll affect my decision because as of now, it's Kepka uh, as that play. But if I see Rom, you know, lurking like in the 12, 13, 14% range, um, I might just play the guy who's going to be projected lower owned of those two because it's not like you're you're losing skill level by by picking one or the other you know both those guys are amazing uh, i don't think i can afford to play both so maybe i'm just going to go with the ownership angle and see what the uh, projected sites say uh and just go with the lowest when it comes to those two but right now i'm leaning kepka just because the man's a major master and he's in that mode right now uh so we'll see how that goes let's go into this 9k range Let's go ahead and start with Roy. First off, what do you expect Roy's ownership to be? Um, I know he fell off today, Sunday. I mean, he was, you know, in contention to win the event. Of course, he he, he didn't do what he needed to do. Uh, I think he shot, what, 74 maybe uh, today on Sunday. You think that's going to affect him at this price? I mean, just looking at it, did you expect, would you expect him to be the highest owned on slate? It, it definitely feels that way. Again, even if he, you know, he didn't come through today at all. So whatever. But I, I even if that was the case, the, what he did in the three rounds, the fact it's still best by pricing just under 10K, you can put a conservative number on it, like 20% for right now, and then let that play out again, how things go throughout this week. But I definitely see him at at least 20% as of right now, mm-hmm. if not, and I lean higher, but again, mm-hmm. could be wrong. I just, the, the problem is too, you do have, again, like I said, you got Cantlay, you got Hovland, you got X. There is still guys here that people love to play, but if it falls to 17 to 20 on Rory and you put a different range on it, I just, I, I don't see it, man. He's 9,900 bucks. It's easy to play. You like, give me your thoughts because you went Hovland over Rory in your cash game cornerstones. What again, I get the obvious reason of what we talk, we talk about this every week. We know what, what Hovland's been up to versus it's Rory, but was there any consideration to like, what, what's the thought process there for you? Break that one down. I mean, when it comes down to it, um, I just I just feel like Hovland has – I'd say he has a better chance of winning than Rory. Like, I know that seems weird, but Rory hasn't won a major in a decade. He's never won a tournament where the, the winning score has been single to under par, and there are – except there are sort of, you know, asterisks to that where he's won a couple where he was the only person uh, double-digit under par – uh, and stuff like that, but I don't know. Like the Sundays of, uh, that he's had recently make me nervous. And and you got Hovland who came through on a Sunday here very recently. It, it's extremely close. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. not like a huge a huge difference. But I've been on Hovland for a while. I'm gonna go w- with him. I think he has a better chance to win. Um. And, and and we've seen Rory when it comes to these majors really struggle uh, in the beginning. I don't know. I, I feel like he could play well here. The, the course should suit what he needs. We'll see his, his wedge play a lot better uh, this week in Canada. It seems like it was only like a one or two week thing where he had issues. Um, the numbers all say, I mean, I think he's what third in my model. I, I can't, I think the one thing that's going to be against him is I don't know if I can play. Scheffler and Rory, because I think those are going to be the two highest owned guys on the slate. I think I'm going to have to not not play one of them, and I would much rather not play Rory than not play Scheffler. Yeah, and it's what's around them too. Like you said, yeah, up top it is Rom versus Scheffler, and you got that conversation. But here, when we said it, there's Cantlay, there's Hovland, there's Xander, 
That's the only reason I could, for, for a little bit of a reason right now, Kenny said I could see him come in a little less than what maybe you would expect at 9,900 for Rory. But the fact that he's, you, you could have flipped, like Kepka could be 9,900 or, or flip them all around. But I was trying to say Kepka could have been 10K, Hovland 9,900 and Rory 10.8. And it wouldn't have shook. I wouldn't have been shook when I saw that pricing come out. That just could have been how it played out. And then it's a different decision. But him at 9,900, I think will just stand out to most. So we'll have to see how the, the public goes about it. But I definitely think it's an interesting conversation. Who else do you like in the Stein K range? I mean, Xander's going to be my second cash game cornerstone. I mean, the floor he has is so incredibly high. He's never finished, what, outside the top 15 at the U.S. Open in his career? Uh, maybe once. I don't know. It, it, it's it's a pretty incredible, um, you know, record he has at this championship. Um, it's not like he's playing like crap. I mean, the guy is just sort of steady Eddie uh, down here, especially on uh, these type of tough, tough conditioned tracks. Um, you know, and of course, you know, he's top five in my model. The iron game is fine. Uh, he, he's good at bogey avoidance, which I think is something you're going to need well above average around the greens. Uh, I, I like him as as a second cash game cornerstone um, for me this week. And I like the two guys in the bottom. Uh, I like Jordan Spieth and I like Cam Smith. Uh, I think someone said this the other day, like when you take, I think Pat said this the other day, when you take uh, away, like, Outside of off the tee, everything else, Cam Smith is the top five player in the world, uh, you know, when it comes to everything else involved. And now on a course where hopefully off the tee won't be as important, especially with these wide fairways, uh, you know, even if he misses certain areas that he should, the game, his iron game is so, so good that I think he can make, plus his around the green game is masterful. You could basically say the same thing about Spieth. Uh, those two sort of go hand in hand with not great off the tee, but the rest of their game is so solid. Um, I like those two guys a lot. What about Morikawa? Uh, he's interesting to me. Uh, you know, he withdrew from his last event with back spasms. Back spasms is an injury that you can get clear from in 48 hours, but then it can also come back unexpectedly when you don't know it's going to happen. Uh, that's just how back spasms work. Uh, and obviously it was enough for him to, you know, he was in contention at the Memorial it was two strokes back going into the final round. So obviously there had to have been some issue uh, here. What are you doing? Would you, first off, do you expect this ownership to be single digits that low? Uh, and, and, and do you think it's still worth the risk? Yeah. I mean, I'm in, I just, things like that. You mentioned perfectly. I think Pat was the first to mention that way. Like even last when him and I talked about this week, just mentioning that one theme is he had no choice. When you're in contention, if you actually have back spasms like that, it's not getting healed in you know enough time to go out and tee off today. It sucks that it was when he was in contention. Uh, you know, I saw someone joke about, I thought it was hilarious. Say put an asterisk on uh, on the Memorial again, this time Colin Morikawa goes out. Like when Rom had to WD with the COVID symptoms or whatever, or testing positive and Cantlin went on to win, but jokes aside, I mean, he should be fine. We'll get updates on this throughout the week. I'm not one to care. If he's playing and teeing it up, can back spasms pop up again? Yes, they can. So you have to know the risk that's in t- that you're bringing on with that. But before the back spasms, Kenny, he was playing good, not just that tournament. His approach game has been what it, you know, back to normal pretty much the last three or four events. He's been pretty good at these US Opens, I think fourth and fifth the last two years. Uh, his putter's been off. But like we said, if that can get neutralized a little bit by how tough it can be to putt in general at these things anyway, and then you just look at the stats across the board. He can hit fairways. He finds the greens, things like that. I just think he's worth the risk. I actually like him more 
Then the Cam Smith play at the bottom. I like, again, I'm just looking at a couple things. The other thing about Morikawa, back to your ownership question, is Xander. Look, Morikawa is a Cali kid too. They're going to call it, but Home is getting some love still. I've got a futures bet on Homa. I know that he's still going to get a little love with it being in California and his record there and similarities and course comps and things like that. I like the Spieth call that you brought up. So I like Xander and Spieth. And then I like Kawa over Homa or Smith. I just think, again, it's the risk of the back spasms thing. But if he tees it up and he's playing, I think it's fine. You know you know the risk you're getting into. And then I was going to ask you about Fitz. Obviously, the defending champion, it's tough to go back-to-back or something. But if you just look in general, 9,100 is pretty fair for everything else we've talked about with him, seen in the past. Some of the numbers don't look as strong. But if you look across the board at some of the stuff that matters most, and in, in just the recent form lately, just even like the last three months, really solid around the green out of, out of the sand, the bogey avoidance, the driving distance is up there now. Like he, he can still do quite a bit that I'm not going to go away from him at 9,100. So I like Xander Spieth, take a risk on Morikawa Fitzpatrick. That's kind of where I sit right now in this nine K range. Yeah. I'm thinking if you go Fitz, uh, I think Fitz and Cow are going to be the two lowest owned. Uh, I think I definitely see that in the nine K range. So of course if you're going these huge GPPs, they could be like winning plays for you if they're going to be nine, eight percent owned or yeah. something like that. Because you know the talent, the upside is there. Fitz won it last year. Kyle was, um, he didn't win a US, he won a PGA and the Open Championship. But you know, if this is a true second shot course, that's his shit. And you get him at a, at a discounted ownership because of a possible injury. Uh, I think I'm going to play one of those two. I'm not sh- sure which one yet. Uh, we'll have to see the other because I'm definitely going to play Xander in cash, and then I'm going to play Spieth and Cam Smith, and that leaves me with one more guy I think I could play up here. Not sure how I'm going to go about it. Fitz is 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 tempting. Uh, we'll we'll have to see about that, and so is Kawa. So it's going to be one of those two. I think. Do I take the risk uh, with Kawa, or do I go with the guy who's proved himself before uh, and we know he can get the job done uh at a course like this with fits at both at possibly you know low ownership so we'll see how that goes why don't you go on to this 8k range tambo yeah this is where it gets interesting because like i said i was naming two or th- three up top in this last range two two to four that i'm you know at least interested in first look but when you go in this range kenny it just looks too easy to play a bunch of these guys hatton Look, we talked about it. He's been last week was no surprise to me. He was one of my core plays that I was on last week. At the end of the day, it was what we talked about. It was like a reverse Adam Scott. I kept calling it. It was that Hatton was continuously playing in the strongest fields and showing up. And then he jumped into a much easier field last week and he didn't close or anything of that round on Sunday was incredible, but it should lead over. I'm sure he's going to have some ownership. Now. The nice thing is there is guys there to keep him in check because you got Fino right behind him. You got JT who people will say he's broken and still click the button because he's 8,700. No different than when we get to Cam Young at the bottom. The interesting ones are the next four, though. Like, those first three, I understand why people are going there. I like Hatton and Finau a little bit more than JT. I actually think I might like Hideki more than JT, too. Just another guy who's quietly been doing his thing, and you get a decent sample here looking at all the stats that line up. We know what he is when he's on. It seems to be a little bit healthier lately, so we'll say that. But Lowry, Sungjae, DJ is where I, you know, that's where I start to wonder. Like, those guys all, I could see being in the mix at a tournament like this. It just depends on what versions of them we get. They're they're the most intriguing to me. And then Cam Young, you, you're just playing them because it's the same thing. Like, him and Rory this week were very similar. Everyone thinks they're still broken and they suck, 
But if you actually go look at the numbers, while there is a couple glaring stats, it's like there, there were four strokes this way of being in the mix. You could say that about anyone. I'm just saying when you're talking about really talented guys, also Cam Young in majors, I know it's a small sample, but over the time so far, he's been pretty good in these majors. So this would be the one, you know, this, the PGA Championship are ones I think the best for him, even though he came second at the Open last year. In general, I, I kind of like that. So for me, Hatton Finau, for sure, like Decky. And then Cam Young, probably just to play the bounce back. And I don't know at 8K if he stays popular or not. Do people go Fleetwood below him? Do they just skip the lower range because that upper 8K range will be more popular? I don't know. But what's your thoughts on the 8K range? My four favorite in order are going to be Hideki, Hatton, um, DJ Lowry. Those are going to be my favorite, and I'll speak on them all. Um, When it comes to Hideki, really, really good on fast and firm courses. One of the best uh, in the field. It looks like he's healthy. He's had a pretty good run here uh, recently, even though he's been fighting that injury bug. I think he, I think he's healthy now. Uh, we shall see, but I, I like him a lot uh, this week. I'm actually considering him uh, for cash. It depends if I decide to go deep into the 6k range for a punt or decide to go to mid 7k guys. Um, we'll have to see about that. Um, but, and then Hatton, Hatton, what really impressed me was the pj championship um to go from shooting plus seven uh in the first round and then finishing at plus one finishing six under uh at that tough ass course the last three rounds really showed me a lot because you know usually you think of hatton when he's fucking up he's sort of cursing out there uh other things are getting in his mind he's losing focus and he just continually sucks uh that wasn't the case uh, at the PGA Championship. It was really, really impressive uh, what he did. And right when he did that, I went ahead and bet him 45-1 to 1, uh, as a future bet. Uh, and I, I like him a lot. Next would be DJ. And DJ's another guy that I saw during the PGA Championship. There was that featured group of DJ Xander and Hatton the first couple of days. And I was literally, that was must-see TV for me. Uh, and in that first day, you saw a glimpse of, like, prime DJ, like, r- like really focused DJ that you really haven't seen. He, I've watched most of the live competitions. I know he's won a couple, but you still haven't seen that look. Uh, you know, he was muttering under his breath. He was, you know, doing these little fist pumps. He was really in it. Uh, and you saw with, I mean, he played really, really well on that front. He, you know, I think he bogeyed uh, a couple of the last couple of holes uh, to drop down a little bit. But at one point in time, I think he was like five under uh, for the round. And now, of course, the next three days, he slowly faded. But I, I just seeing that little glimpse of him, uh, you know, going back to like his prime self, uh, gives me hope that you could see that maybe through a, a couple of more rounds uh, this time. And at this price, I mean, the guy hasn't finished outside the top 25 or top 30 uh, at this event in God knows how long. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He, this has been his best major. Um, so uh you know we'll we'll have to see i we'll have to hopefully i I don't know what do you think his ownership's gonna be dj it's another one that's really hard to tell right now because eighty three hundred dollars man geez that's extremely cheap i think again he's he's gonna pull in that range some ownership because it looks like dj cam young and then the combination of hat and finau and maybe even jt those are like the five that stand out to me at least as of right now yeah, and then Lowry's going to be uh, up there as well. I like him a lot uh, just because 
you know, really good on long part threes, really good with his longer irons. His ball striking has been really, really good here recently. Again, it's the putter that's failed him. Uh, another guy just like Hideki who thrives in conditions that are fast and firm and difficult. Um, so those are the four guys that I like in that 8K range. Tim, why don't you move on to the 7K? Yeah, just going like 7,500 and up because, again, this range – Gets big quickly. And that's, again, this is the other thing about the balance builds, Kenny. You can already tell, basically, uh, 7,500 has Adam Scott, Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler, and then it even has Patrick Reed. But just to say, you could end lineups there, no problem. You could play a couple guys from here, one more above them, get into the 8K range, and then finish out with whoever your guy is at the top. So this is where I see a lot of the ownership going. The ones that stand out are the guys that are playing good right now, the guys that we actually just watched play good over the weekend. Fleetwood, Connors, Rose, all popped up on my stuff, just going into it early. Uh, Fowler, of course, we talked about the run that he's been on and the season that it's been. So he's probably going to pop some, but there's guys to keep him in check here. And there's also reasons that you could move off anybody in this range who gets pretty popular because the tournament plays, Kenny, you know, Bryson DeChambeau. I know it's crazy, but if you're talking about some of the other stuff going on lately, he's been in the mix a little more than what we've seen too, in, in what we get to see him in. Uh, Sahith Tigala, again, probably not going to pop in your stats models and things like that when you go to, but the same argument I made about him last week at the event where it's, I, I kind of want him when it's a little bit tougher. He's actually played better at the courses where it's a tougher course. It's a longer course. He's got to struggle through. And then yes, he makes birdies and bogeys, but when he's balancing out at even par, he's still in good shape. That's the difference, right? It's not like he's often going 10 over on day one or something like that. And you're in trouble. So I don't hate that. And then Adam Scott, this is a spot where I'll say what I always say, but then you have to take pricing consideration. We do play a salary game as we like to say, he's probably good for like a top 30 with honestly how he's been playing lately, maybe even more upside than that. But my point is that, you know, here when I used to say like, Oh, a top 30, you know what you're going to get when he gets in the higher strength, the field, it's tougher to get to him. Well, not when he's $7,500. That's, that's like literally could be your last guy into your lineup. So I think that's the difference maker for me and why I actually have some interest in him. So some of those guys are, are the main ones that I'm on right now in that upper seven K range. And then it's going to get pretty bleak after this, when we hit the bottom sevens and beyond. Yeah, I mean, my last two Cascade cornerstones are going to be up here. The first one's going to be Justin Rose uh, at 7,700, another top 10 notch in his belt uh, at the Canadian Open. I wish it was a little bit better because I did have an outright on him. Um, but the guys had, what, finished uh, top 10 this past week, 12th at the Schwab, 9th at the PGA Championship, 25th at the Heritage, 16th at the Masters, 36th at Valspar, you know, six of the players. He has that win at Pebble. The guy has form. The guy's been playing well. His approach game has been just lights out. Uh, probably one of the best stretches of his career uh, with his irons. Uh, gaining almost eight strokes last time out um, at the Charles Schwab. You know, more than four uh, strokes in like uh, three of his last five. I'm sure he gained a bunch on approach this past week um, at the Canadian Open because I saw him with like five to 15 foot birdie putts often. And of course he missed a bunch of those, which hurt. Uh, but yeah, this guy, I, I'm in on rows for cash. And my final cash game cornerstone is going to be Adam Scott, 7,500, three top tens in his last four events. A lot of people are going to be saying, well, a lot of it's putter related. Yes. A lot of it is putter related. He's been putting very, very well, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been ball striking. Well, he's gained 8.2. Uh, he's gained, um, what 2.2 strokes tee to green, 4.9 strokes tee to green, 3.8 tee to green, 6.2 hasn't lost tee to green in his last six events. Uh, and that's with him putting lights out. 
Uh, his iron game was a little shaky uh, at the Memorial, uh, and a lot of that had to do with his putter. Uh, but outside of that, the guy's been ball striking really, really well. Um, you know he has experience. Uh, I like Adam Scott. So that leaves you like well over 15,000 uh, to figure out the rest of your lineup. So the four cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Victor Hovland at 10,000. Uh, Xander Shoffley at 9,800. Uh, Justin Rose at 7,700. Adam Scott at 7,500. Now, this could, for strategy-wise, what I was thinking, like I was going to go Fleetwood um, and Denny uh, to, to fill it out, but I'm a little bit worried about Fleetwood after this loss. So you can also adjust. I was thinking maybe Hideki and Sam Bennett. There's a lot of uh, options you can go with. Uh, with with using these four as your cash game core as your core and then trying to figure out the other two for your cash um other guys i like gpp wise uh here in this upper 7k range um i like bryson again you know if you could pound it out there uh far enough and still get that roll and have you know short wedges onto these greens uh, i think it's going to be helpful we've seen him do well um at this event in the past with the win he's been playing decent on live it looks like you know he's sort of out of his funk uh fowler another guy uh at 7500 that i will play uh when it comes to the stats i mean when in this range the only other person that really compares is going to be Wyndham clark fowler's iron game has just been spectacular uh he's been really good um you know from like 175 to 200 he'll have quite a few approaches uh in that range and you know, um, his around the green play is always good. Patrick Reed, another guy that you can look at in the 7,500 range. Uh, now, if we go down a little bit lower, uh, you know, there's still guys down here. Victor Perez, a guy who's going to go overlooked, single-digit owned, who came in the top 10 at the PGA Championship last time and has other good events on the year, on the PGA Tour that we've seen him sort of pop uh, randomly. Um, you know, you got to take a look at Gary Woodland down here. Of course, the stats are all going to be uh, in his favor. One of the best long iron players on tour in the last 50 rounds in this field. Um, you look at uh, Denny McCarthy, a guy who surprisingly plays well in firm and fast conditions, a top 10 at the U.S. Open last year. Uh, Justin Suh, 7,100. We saw him, uh, you know, being you know, on near the top of the leaderboard in some of these big boy events here recently, you know, the talents there, he was brought in with Morikawa Hovland, those Scheffler, those guys. And he was supposed to be like in that tier. Now it's taken him a little bit longer, but now we see the talents really there. Um, who else do you like in this lower seven K range? I was just looking up the uh, stuff. I know at Memorial, he popped a little bit. Schwabi popped too. PGA championship 26. I mean, that's decent. The Denny stuff is crazy. Again, this may actually pick up steam as the week goes on because this is just the truth. But second at the Memorial, it was the designated events thing, right? Like the 29th at the PGA Championship, 8th at the Wells Fargo, 25th. But look at his price, 25th at that. The players, 13th, the Valspar, four, uh, 14th at the Genesis. Going back, and then you talk about it like last year, U.S. Open uh, was a 7th. I think we had another one before that. Like he's, he's definitely been doing his thing. So it's just interesting. He can putt really well. Obviously, that's what you expect on a guy like him, that if you can find his way around, that'd be good. But a couple other guys playing some really good golf right now. Sibu Kim, we've been talking about him all season. We talked at the start of the season how the Asian games changed it over with the new, uh, like how they brought it back, where these guys actually will have a shot, but they can only pick two. Sibu definitely got to be in that. Like Tom Kim has fell off pretty much completely. 
and uh, M, well, the last couple outings have not been the best. Before that, the win in Korea, and then that run of like top tens and stuff that he was going on. So uh, right now, Siwoo is doing his thing. I like him at seventy three hundred. Mito is a guy that I would play from the live from the live tour. Just bring him over and play him again. I got no problem with that. Uh, one narrative that may go to the wayside that we in the sense that everyone's talked about it and now it may not get talked about as much this week, but the Cam Davis factor of how he was unhealthy and then came back and started playing well. And I forget what he did like last, I think it was like the last one or two times out. Let me go see. No, PGA Championship was top 10. Right. That's what I'm saying. But he missed the cut the last two, right? The Memorial and the Schwab. But before that, the narrative at everything else and coming off the PGA Championship was a reason to go back to him. Now people may not when you have Gary Woodland, Denny McCarthy, Siwoo, guys like that that people can go to. Uh, Nick Taylor might be too much coming off your own country's championship. And there's only one, of course. But at the end of the day, he did his job. He's there. His price drops to 7300 He's obviously playing really good golf. I, I don't hate that. I like going back to guys when they're coming in a little bit cheaper at the next tournament where most people just go off because, oh, they just won. Not expecting him to win. He's $7,300. I'm just saying, could you play him? I think yes. And then a couple guys at the bottom for me, Kenny. Um, Russell Henley, I'll play him just on the talent level. It's, you know, you got to give him more long-term stuff. But most people know by now that listening to the show, when I do majors, I definitely go off more long-term. Kirk kind of fits that mold as well. Chris Kirk, K.H. Lee. And then I just want to ask you, out of these three guys, who you could would consider before we go to the 7K range? Vincent Norman, Austin Eckroat, or Minwoo Lee? Do you have any preference on those three if you had to rank them out or anything like that? I like Minwoo a lot this week. Okay. Uh, I like his driving iron, uh, that low driving iron that he can hit, and I love the way he likes to shape shots. He's one of those guys who can go right to left, left to right, no problem. Um, I think that driving iron would be really helpful to scoot down that fairway and keep his, you know, keep that drive accurate uh, off the tee. So I, I do like Minwoo a lot. I like Sergio. Uh, at 7k i think it took a lot of guts for him to go out and uh and qualify through the u.s open qualifiers and get the job done and then get killed you know he has a chip on his shoulder uh and you know the you know historically his game should be suited for this the ball striking is there that's what he's known for one of the best drivers of the golf ball the last 20 years a really really solid iron player um you know i think he's i I would guess he's seeing his his live brethren uh, out there, you know, doing their thing at these majors. And um, I think he wants to join. That's why he went ahead and uh, did his thing at the qualifier. I, I like that. And I like the mind frame he has to be going through with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Um, I, I'm a fan of Sergio this week. I could see a top 25 from him. I don't hate that call. That's the one that I definitely got to put on the list. I just added it. One quick note on Minwoo too. It's going back, but still, even last year's Masters, 14th. Last year's U.S. Open, 27th. Last year's Open, 21st, sixth at the players. He did miss the cut at the Masters this year, but then you go 18th at the PGA Championship. So really, all the big boy events showing up quite heavily for a guy that's just 7K in this field. And that's where I think you got to really weigh that stuff out, showing up in the big boy events, having that in the back of his mind, that mindset to grind through whatever comes his way. If he does struggle a little bit early on and battle back through it just to get to where he got in those events versus some of the guys that qualified or got in recently or whatever at 7k you could do a lot worse so i like the min woo call by you all right why don't you go to this uh 6k range tampa i don't have much darts man you're just taking shots here like again i don't i'm not committed to any of these guys but uh kuchar not again doesn't mean it's the course for him i get this but it, for some reason this guy at any age just seemingly continues to show up patrick rogers if you want to play a guy who's having a little bit better season seemingly would set up okay kurt kitayama 
just gave the speech about Minwoo Lee showing up at big boy events. Those are more like majors and the players and stuff, but Kitayama obviously winning a big boy event, the API this year. And again, up down after that, but still at 6,800, again, this is like your last guy in or you're filling your lineup out with it. The Moronk stuff to me just feels like too, too much of a drop off for what, you know, just stuff that people said just this past week and liked about him. So I could go there for a bounce back. Sam Stevens was one I wanted to do a bigger deep dive on. I saw him here. I was just trying to see him and Putnam were two guys that popped. I want to pull them both up quick. Do you, do you have any thoughts on Carson Young coming off another good week? I just wonder if, you know, too too big of a big boy event here. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 the way I rate Carson Young is better on easier courses. So I don't know. Nick Hardy seems interesting around here. Uh, I think he had a pretty good performance recently at a major, if I'm not mistaken. Um but yeah, like it, it's getting pretty. I like the three guys you talked about up top are, are going to be popular. The more the more popular guys, I like Kitayama, I like Kucher, uh, I like Patrick Rogers. I think they all make sense. Uh, I like Sam Bennett. Uh, I don't think we're going to see like double digit ownership on him, but I would expect him to be one of the hot, more higher owned uh, up there. But I I got no problem still using him. Uh, we've seen him, you know, he just makes a lot of cuts. So we saw him, what, 18th of the Masters. Uh, he made the cut at the Memorial. Um, I think he played this week, too, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, but I, I I think he did. I think he finished, like, top 30, respectable, made the cut. Uh, I could definitely see I could definitely see using him. Uh, Sam Stevens, another guy you were talking about. Person, people on longer courses, he seems to do his thing better. Um, so, so he makes sense. Other than that, you got anyone else? No, I was again. The Bennett one is just going to be a wait and see approach. I think again, obviously, what he did at the Masters, and you know, even this past week wasn't the worst. But just in general, uh, Sergeant is back. By the way, of note, everyone wanted to play him at the Masters. He also qualified to get into this thing, and he's at sixty one hundred down at the bottom. So if if you want to go back there, if you remember from the Masters, everyone wanted to play him. So uh, him, and then the other guys I looked up, Stevens rated out okay, Putnam rated out okay, and just had a great uh memorial so if you're talking about just bringing another designated event hardcore type of events um skill set over i should say is what i was trying to think of the word there but just that and then i guess the flyers at the top other guys i starred were like taylor pendrith and brian Harmon. almost similar thoughts to like a patrick rogers or matt kuchar for one guy that's just a little bit younger can bomb it out there and see if he can find his way around and and get lucky with the flat stick and then with Harmon seemingly just does like kuchar and at these big boy events can always just somehow find his way around, whether it's experience, the bulldog in him. He's, you know, just the guy that just goes out and, and finds his way around these tougher tracks for whatever reason. It does line up a little bit in that sense. Not much else though for me, Kenny, down in this range. All right. Sounds good. Let's get to our bets. Uh, for this week, I got four, three or futures. The one bet I made this week is Scheffler plus 750. I went ahead and just, just, just took it. Uh, second is going to be Hovland 22 to one. Um, Hatton 45 to one. And Bryson, 66 to one. Five places each way on the Bryson bet. Yeah. I'm going with the uh, the Scotty factor. To be or not to be, to be or Scott to be. Scotty, if he gets there, I think it's first round leader or wire to wire. I'm going to find numbers on those and put those in because he finds the putter. I, I just, it could happen. It definitely could happen. So uh, that's what I'm thinking. My two futures that I have are Cam Young, 40, and Max Home of 50. Interestingly enough, it's not guys that I love for DFS this week, at least Homa with, with Cam Young. I can see going to him at 8K because he's still going to pop. Maybe there's enough that keeps him in check. I don't know. We'll see if he gets super popular. 
we're just chasing, you know, bad money again, probably. But, you know, you never know. And obviously, we know what his talent is, harder course, things like that. Hopefully, helps out. He couldn't get it done on an easy course, though. So that really does worry me some. But these numbers I liked that I got him in at. So two two bets and then two Scotty bets that uh, I'm going to put in as soon as I see the numbers on those. Yeah, one of them, I think I'm going DJ or Cam Smith. I think I might go with the, with the two, two live guys. Yeah, you reminded me. I might have to go. D- I've got two. And they're both hovering around like 400th place. So I really screwed it up this week. Didn't get anything good. Changed off of uh, Fleetwood and one, which sucks. So that that hurts. But this also sucks. I, I think I just have to use Kepka in one of them. Because I know, like I said last time, and it does suck when you're chasing it again. Like, oh, you know, got to throw Kepka in there. But I don't really want to play him at the Open as much as get him at another U.S. Open. Let's see if he can do it again. So plug him into one. And maybe I'll do DJ in the other one. I was thinking Fitz is who's the other guy I have, but I, I might go to DJ in the Fitz one. So there's your, uh, you know, my Fleetwood of last week that ends up getting burned by, actually, funny I said that, Sam Burns was who I switched to. So uh, that did not work out well. Obviously, Sam Burns, rough rough scenes there in Canada. Maybe just wanted to get out to LA, but yeah, Kepka and DJ is who I think I'm going to switch it to. I like to just get it done and set it and forget it. Kepka, I got to use DJ is probably going to be the other guy. There you go. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. You can find my article at gupscorner.com. Use promo code Kenny. Save yourself 30% on a membership to Gups Corner. Tambo. Find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. I mentioned earlier the tidbits will be out on Wednesday, a major thread, obviously. So if you guys can retweet, quote, tweet, comment, like, everything, it helps me out a ton. Good for exposure, everything like that. But I am going to give away at least $200 related to that and all you have to do is retweet it or do something that you know i'll talk about it in the mayo show or something we'll probably maybe do even do more money but remember the comments for this show as well right here on this youtube video on the mayo media network go down comment your fade over 9k anything else you want to put in I'll be giving a hundred dollars away to one of those winners and then i said it earlier i'm going to plug it twice but hoop and myself will be on i think 1 p.m eastern tomorrow on the ship it nation youtube channel youtube.com slash at ship it nation you can go on there. You'll be able to find us both. It's going to be a free first look show, but also a last chance to get in. The founding family offer was simple. Anybody who gets in early, my biggest pet peeve in life is when you have a with your cell phone company or a TV company, you pay their bills for many, many years, and then you watch everybody else get the best deals and the best offers. And you're like, but I'm the one that's been with you for 10 years. I hate that. So we set it up so that anybody within the first 30 days that signed up with us would not only get the best price possible, it would lock in. It's not just a one month deal. And then on top of it, it's everything we continue to add to the site. So when NFL, NBA, NHL, we just added MMA, it's literally got everything that's included, but we are going to be giving away over $10,000 half price merch when it comes out like this hat or a t-shirt, some basic stuff. There's going to be other free rolls during football where only members that are from the founding family can win the tickets that we give away 333 Wildcats or things like that. So if you're thinking of signing up, go to shipitnation.com, click join the nation, find the plan that suits you best. But that's my spiel, Kenny sticking to it it's going to be a good time over there the discord is amazing lots and lots of people in the discord no toxicity as they like to say in this industry so it's a it's a great place to be because if i don't if i don't like what someone's saying i just tell them i can just refund you and go on your way we keep it we keep it fresh for everybody have a good time focus on education and learning it's a lot of fun right now and we're getting started sounds good man third major of the year it's been pretty good so far with me picking rom uh to win the masters at the preview show, having Kepka on the betting card, the PJ Championship. So let's go Scheffler. Let's go Hovland. Let's go Hatton. Let's go Bryson. Let's win some motherfucking money, DJ Nation. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfer. Second penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping-
Dancing on Sarah, trip them up with the words.